You're listening to So Much Pingle, the podcast about herpetology, field herping, and anything and everything about amphibians and reptiles. Join us each week as Mike and his guests explore the amazing world of herps across our planet. And now, bringing a half century of experience and perspective to the microphone, here's your host, Mike Pingleton. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the show. Mike Pingleton here, and I am your host for these proceedings. And here we go with episode 89, and I hope you all remain safe and healthy out there. Now, before we get to today's episode, I want to thank Sean LaRochelle for his contribution to the So Much Pingle podcast uh, via Patreon. Uh, Much appreciated, Sean, and thank you so much. Uh, Sean has been on a couple of our Peru expeditions, and I I really enjoy his enthusiasm and the sense of humor. And as always, I'm grateful to all of the show's patrons who help to keep the show moving forward. And supporting the podcast is easy to do, and there are several ways to do so. You can use Patreon like Sean, or you can make a one-time donation. But uh, I will tell you more about how to do all that at the end of the show. I also want to give a shout-out to Colleen McCarthy, Justin Michaels, and Noah Fields for their recent comments and suggestions regarding the show, and uh, just for being awesome people in general. Uh, As I've often said, folks, I'm open to your comments and suggestions and feedback, uh, whatever it is you got. So just drop me a note to somuchpingle at gmail.com and somuchpingle is all one word. I really appreciate everyone's patience with the extra delay here lately and getting shows out. Uh, I had my home studio in many pieces for uh, over a week uh, while I upgraded some of the components and made the space more functional. That's kind of the trouble with having limited space. You know, my one room office must, uh, it's got to function as a library and a writing room and a recording studio. And I got a bunch of stuff I have to store in the room too. So all those things aren't really easily compatible, but uh, it's all back together and sounding pretty good, I think. Okay, let's get to the episode. This one is a Noah Fields twofer. It's a mashup of two separate recordings. So I recently spent a couple days hanging out with Noah and his girlfriend, Caitlin, during their first visit to Snake Road. And we had a pretty good time, and uh, I recorded just a 10-minute session with Noah uh, to get his thoughts on the whole Snake Road experience, and uh, my aim at the time was to talk with some other folks as well, and then, you know, put together a full episode about Snake Road. But that didn't pan out, mostly because I was concerned about oversaturation of the subject, because uh, I was a recent guest on the Orient Society Snake Talk podcast, and the subject was Snake Road. Uh, Chris Jenkins does a great job with the Snake Talk, and uh, I'm featured on episode 89, so go check it out. And I just realized that uh, So Much Pingle and Snake Talk are both at episode 89. How about that? Uh, And hey, which podcast will make it to 100 episodes first? Stay tuned. Anyway, after my Snake Road business was concluded for the year, I headed down to Georgia for yet another attempt to see a southern hognose snake, a heterodon simus. So, Hogtober, baby. And I got to hang out with Noah for a couple of days on his home turf, so to speak, and we recorded the second and larger session while we were sitting around a campfire our first night. And uh, while hognoses and hogtober were covered, uh, we do stray into some other subjects as well. Uh, FYI, I had an issue with my microphone about 42 minutes into the recording, uh, but I managed to recover my audio from Noah's microphone track. You know, we had two mics, so we had two tracks. Uh, So be warned, the sound quality is a little warbly for about eight minutes. Uh, Warbly is a technical term. Uh, No warblers were actually present. Anyway, let's get to that episode. 
Hi, folks. Uh, I am talking to you from one of the world-famous places for herping in the United States, Snake Road. I'm here at the south entrance and standing around with a recorder on top of my car. And uh, this afternoon, I'm talking to Noah Fields. Welcome back to the show, Noah. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Mike. It's been a real pleasure out here uh, seeing this place for the first time with with you after hearing you talk about it all these years on the podcast. So, Well, thanks. Uh, you, I got a note from you saying you were going to come down and... Uh, I uh, came down to uh, hang out with you, of course, uh, hang out with uh, my buddy Justin over here at uh, Radio Left, and uh, uh, it was just good to ha- get to spend more time with you talking, and uh, I really like what you do with your show, uh, and uh, uh, being present here when you saw Snake Road for the first time was uh, pretty cool. Too. Yeah, like yesterday, we, we saw, what, like three species of herp in the first hour, and and at that point, I was already loving it, just because it's, like, the the it's... And I've talked about this a million times already today with various people, but it's more, it's more so about the place and the animals when you come here. And, you know, the snakes are what really what motivates us to come to these places. But at the end of the day, you get out here and you're taken aback by the natural beauty and just like the, the community scene that happens out here. It's unlike really anywhere else that I've been field herping. Well, let's talk about that. Uh, you talk about the, the natural beauty and uh, w- one of the places here at Snake Road is a place called the spring and there's you know capital letters in there uh the spring the spring uh <laughs> and uh, when you first came to the spring it kind of kind of blew your mind away yeah area, it, you know? and like the fact that it was just and seeing mike who comes here you've been coming here for 29 years now and seeing mike get to that spot in the road and just be like stop for a second and just not say anything and just look at it like i had the same reaction at the same time as him and I glanced over at him and he's just he's standing there just staring in the most peaceful way out into this weird intersection of of microhabitats where you get mud snakes living right next to a limestone bluff with a spring bubbling up out of the ground and the water is crystal clear and it's just it's a it's a surreal moment especially after seeing the place on the internet and people talk about it my entire life basically since I've been in the herping community I've, I've heard about the legendary snake road and then just being here, I had a moment, just, it was awesome. Yeah. It's a, and what took you so long, bro? <laughs> I've just, you know, it's, and I was telling you this, I've, I've not got anything specifically to do here with like, in terms of just like, I've seen all these species. They're not, there's nothing crazy rare here, but at the same time, the intersection of species you get here, the combination is just weird. And so I never really had like a big bucket list species I wanted to come to Snake Road to look for because I live in the Southeast where a lot of these things like cotton mouse are widespread. And we talked about this too, but if you live north of a certain point in the U.S., driving to Snake Road is the easiest way to get this kind of diversity for so many people in the hobby. And so I never really had that draw, and it wasn't until relatively recently that I started to think like, I need to get over there. Why haven't I? Why haven't I gone? And and the reason was because there wasn't like a species in particular that I couldn't find easier somewhere closer, and somewhere else. But then over the last couple of years, I've been spending a lot of time in in Southern Illinois, and I've enjoyed it to the point where it's become one of my favorite places. And I was like, all right, it's time. I'm gonna message Mike, and I'm gonna drag myself up to Illinois in October. And here we are today. Yeah, and you know it's funny because it's not it's not a little pocket herping spot. There are thousands of acres of here. Yeah, uh, here and a lot of this. Uh, I wouldn't say it's untouched, but it's um, there's just a lot of pristine habitat here, and so the the numbers, the herp numbers reflect that. Yeah, and, uh, it's it's crazy the densities of snakes you can see in southern Illinois, and I think that's part of the 
the draw and what I didn't really realize until I came here. Because I'm used to to herping for snakes just and finding snakes at all being pretty tough in Georgia. It's not as easy as it looks. And it's not, you know, it's it's not like here. You can't just walk down a gravel road and see 15 snakes and, and two and a half miles of walking. I, I can walk 10 miles on a gravel road and not see a single snake. I can drive 100 miles in a day cruising and not see a single snake. But you come out here and there's just snakes. And it's it's so different from back home that it's a welcome change of pace and and, you know, it's just, it's an awesome place to visit because it's so different from home, but at the same time, slightly familiar. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's the, the time of the year is nice too. It's cool. And, you know, fall is coming. Yeah. It's cooler here than it is at home because of the, the latitude. Right. So you have the, the element of coming in here in the fall. And of course we camp. So we have, you know, there's a campfire and there's, yeah. you know, there's a, you know, all this conviviality and people hanging out and telling swapping stories. Yeah. And that kind of leads me to my next question because, uh, you know, I've been coming down here for a long time. This is my 29th consecutive year. I know a lot of people that come down here. I see them every year. We, we, we hug, we shake hands, we, we catch up. So I have that kind of thing that's been going for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, today i got to see that happen to you yeah yeah uh and that would that was fantastic <laughs> for me because and and i'm uh, speaking now to the, the, the folks out there you know we're walking down the road and we uh, come up by people and people would be staring at, at noah and they would be like and then some people were just it was amazing it, it, the the joy on their faces when they realized uh, these are people that 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 watch your videos and they uh they really like what you do and they they learn from what you do and to, to see you out of nowhere show up yeah. on Snake Road, the, just the joy <laughs> in their faces was was awesome. What, yes, so how what was that like for you? It was sur- it's surreal. I mean, I've ran into people before that that recognize me, and it, it's always nice to meet people and put some faces behind the viewers. And and that just happened over and over again today, and it was fantastic. I've you know, I, it's been a more of a random opportunistic thing, like a game of chance, like we bump into someone who who watches the channel, and it's awesome. But today, everyone's here for the snakes, and obviously, you know, we have that shared interest. So yeah. it's the kind of place where you can you can come and you can you can meet people from all walks of the community, and that's really special in that way. So it was it was cool to experience that after I, after hearing about like from stories from you guys about meeting your best some of your best friends, like you and Justin. He was just yeah. telling me that y'all met here for the first time, and yeah, well, and here we are. A lot of work down. However many years later, here we are. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was great to see somebody else experience that today, uh, and I think you're a creator, you're a content creator. I'm a content creator. Sometimes it, it's great to get a little um, satisfaction from the work you do. And sometimes when you meet people and they're happy, they want to talk to you. Yeah, you see the appreciation. You see, they appreciate your work, and and that goes a, that goes a long way. Yeah, it, it's 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 a lot more personal than just reading a comment. That's that's nice. Like nice comments are great to see, but actually, you know, seeing seeing someone looking someone in the eye who appreciates what you're doing and the hard work you put in is is very rewarding. And yeah. and you know, getting to talk to them for a minute and get to know people in the community. Well, I'm sorry you didn't get a milk snake today, but uh, <laughs> uh, the, or yesterday for that matter. But uh, was there a highlight? Any particular thing that just sort of uh, you, know, you you liked or knocked you over? I think just seeing the cotton mouse like 
dangling from rock faces and the, the way they interact with this ecosystem is so different from anything I'm used to. And I even just seeing about it, like I always kind of assumed that they were up there right before they, they go into hibernation, right after they come out. But, you know, I, we're up, it's just now kind of starting to feel like fall here. It's more like the end of late summer almost. Um, all the leaves are still green and we're in the first week of October. So seeing these snakes interact with the bluffs in a, a way that's very different from how I was expecting was very cool from a, just a, a a life history perspective of a snake that I'm very familiar with. And it's something that I've never seen anywhere other than here today. Yeah, it is different here. They they can make, they may come up to the uh, limestone crack where they hibernate, but they're in and out. Yeah. They come down a sunny day and forage around, look for a meal. Yeah, we, we saw some that had meals. A couple individuals had recently eaten and were looking like they're prepared for the long winter, Yeah, which is good to see. Uh, so you guys said you and uh, your girlfriend, Caitlin, were here and you had a good time. Um, and hopefully you come back sometime. And, uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I love everything about Southern Illinois for the most part. And that was something that I never, you know, the main thing that draws me here is the milk snakes. because I'm a big lamp nut, but being here and just seeing the places and, and the milk snakes are just icing now. It's like I've fallen in love with the region and everything else about it too. So no now milk snake, know. but no problem. Well, now you know what we know. Yeah. <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, thanks. Thanks so much for talking and uh, give a little shout out to your show for those folks uh, who listen to the podcast, but maybe aren't aware of your show. So my YouTube channel is NKF herping, which is my initials. And then the word herping. And uh, I make videos basically, showcasing my time in the field be it wherever i am at that given time so uh, i try to try to visit new places every year and i try to get multiple videos out a week worst case one episode a week throughout the year so if you you like recently came back from uh japan yeah yeah so the first international videos i've filmed on the channel i kind of started making videos around the time the covid pandemic hit so it wasn't an option for a while there, and I really wanted to go to Japan as soon as possible. Like that was always the place I wanted to go first. So now that that's out of the way, I'm open to uh, you know, maybe seeing a, a giant viper in the the Amazon at oh, some yeah. point. <laughs> so, I know a guy. Yeah. <laughs> rumor word on the street is you've seen a few of those. So. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks so much for talking to us. It's just been great to hang out and. Uh... What do you say we go eat some barbecue? Yes, apparently there's a good place right down the road. Yeah. So, And we've been walking a lot. I'm very hungry. Yeah, for those of you who know <laughs> which place we're talking about, uh, so sorry you can't be with us. It's that good, huh? It's really good. <laughs> Thanks again, Noah. Hi, everyone. I am talking to you from a campfire in October, somewhere in Georgia. I actually truthfully don't know quite know where I'm at. <laughs> but, Central Georgia. <laughs> Central Georgia. But I am uh, sitting around a campfire with Noah Fields. Noah, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me, Mike. I feel like it was just yesterday. <laughs> it was only it, a, it really was like a week ago, though. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and it's funny, I, I recorded a uh, a small bit with you at Snake Road. 
yeah. uh, which has not aired at all. I haven't done anything with it. I just got it sitting at home. Uh, but I think maybe I'll maybe I'll just uh, piggyback these these together. Back to uh, back. We'll see how it goes. But uh, I'll do something with that because that was a that was a nice little uh, li- nice little segment. And you know, I was uh, I was too busy having fun to record anybody else and like mash together a Snake Road episode. So yeah, I'll have to do that at some time. You'll have to walk down the road next time with your whole podcasting gear and just everybody we run into just. Get him. That would be cool, actually. Just get him to give you like a little like, who are you? Where are you yeah, from? Yeah. Somebody somebody else suggested that too, and so I've been kind of thinking about what kind of rig I could uh, put together to that would do that and still the sound mobile podcast rig. Yeah, and still sound kind of uh, you know uh, um, have clear audio. I should yeah. say so. Uh, I'll look into that. But anyway, uh, here we are a couple weeks later, uh, back in uh, or in Georgia uh, on your home turf. Uh, met up with you today and uh, did some uh, road cruising and flipping down here. Uh, and m- my big target for this trip was the uh, Southern Hognose. Hogtober, baby. <laughs> yeah. Header on Simus. And it is Hogtober, and uh, I wanted to participate. And uh, sure enough, uh, managed to managed to get my lifer Southern Hognose today. After uh, a number of unsuccessful <laughs> tries. And a number of hours without seeing anything I mean, oh it, yeah yeah we, i mean it was what time was it like one in the afternoon something like that yeah. a little after that when we finally got one and we started cruising it well i i've been here since 10 you rolled in a little bit after that but i mean we were at it for a couple hours before we saw what we were looking for yeah well right off the bat we got we got a snake right off the bat so. yeah a rat snake which is kind of odd i mean they're they're here, but when you're in that super deep sand hill type habitat, it's more of corn snakes kind of dominate the the pantherophis niche when you're in those those super upland areas. So, and we didn't see a corn snake today, but the rat snake was nice. Yeah, yeah. You, I mean, truthfully, you don't really see a ton of corn snakes here either when you're cruising. But okay. You, you get, you know, you get out and hike around in the spring, and you'll walk up on them every now and then, and you'll flip them under ten, find them under bark you know, corn snake stuff. And then after dark on the roads, they're one of the more common snakes. But yeah. as hognose bycatch, I, I only see them occasionally. Hognose bycatch. Hognose like bycatch. Because yeah. usually hognose are the bycatch where I come from. Yeah. Because hognose is something you find, um, you know, while you're walking to go flip some tin or something. It's like, oh, here's a hognose. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's kind of how they can be, at least Easterns here. But yeah. With Simus, you kind of have to at least be in the right place, which... We definitely are this weekend. Yeah, and uh, it was kind of funny because uh, just to set, paint a little picture too. It's we're you know kind of a piney country, sandhill country. Uh, the roads are they're not paved; they're sandy roads, and uh, the area is uh, semi-developed. There's not it's not like farmland where I live. It's, people have their little houses back in the woods and things like that. And uh, but uh, there are some people around. It's not like a, a complete wilderness out here. Yeah, it's it's an interesting area, and it seems like a lot of the places where where people look for simus and and really a lot of hog noses tend to be very similar in that way. Like there's there's always the ever present people of the sand in in the vicinity. Like, and I don't. I guess it's just because they tend to they tend to live in kind of high and dry areas that are good to build houses, but not necessarily really good for crops or businesses so they're just they kind of end up in, in in these rural residential areas you know crawling out of people's yards and stuff well yeah and i think the the folks that live down here they they want they want to have their own little their own little place 
you know, it's a good place to come live if you want your privacy and uh, cause there's just not a lot going on down here. So. Yeah. I mean, no traffic and really, you know, if you were to live in this area, you would see, and I, I joke about this all the time that the mailman and the school bus driver probably kill more Simus here than any other person yeah. on the planet. Like the school, <laughs> the lady who drives the school bus for this County is just probably like the number one kill leader on heterodon simus in the world oh man that's a which is it's a depressing thought but at the same time it's pretty crazy that like there's so few people here that you know the most frequent traffic is from the mailman and the school bus driver yeah and we saw a school bus on the sand road today which kind of blew my mind and And you'll see every weekday at the same you know you don't really see them in the morning because it's earlier than you're going to be cruising but then in the afternoon around you know 2 30 3 o'clock School oh, bus boy. comes around the same time every day. <laughs> oh, man. And that's when the Simus were moving today. So it's, and maybe we missed them, but we didn't see any DOR hog noses today, no. which was nice. We, unfortunately, we did see DORs, but they were not hog oh, noses. We'll, we'll get, we'll get, <laughs> to, we'll get that. to that. Yeah. <laughs> but the first, uh, so uh, yeah, we got the rat snake right off the bat. It was sort of laying out in the open on the edge of the road, yeah. warming up, which was always cool to see. Looking like a pine snake a little bit. Yeah. On the approach. Um, but it was it was nice to to get that and get a, a couple of pictures and get it off the road. And then uh, then the, the we didn't get another snake for a couple hours and then uh, uh, round and round and round we go. Uh, but then this, this uh, we just turned onto the one road there and this uh, little guy was out in the middle of the road. And it's, it's funny because um, you, you're saying something like, here we go, or there it is, or something. And I look up and yeah. I knew exactly what you're talking yeah. about. I was like, okay, there's no mistaking that those hog noses on the road. And I was just talking about how it was weird that we hadn't seen one yet. We were talking yeah. about like, you know, on a, I think I had just said like on a, on a, on any normal day in this weather, this time of year, I would expect to see between two and six. And we were sitting at zero at that point yeah. in time. And then, you know, I was, I was in the middle of a sentence and I looked up and you see that textbook scooting going across the road and yeah that's interesting because it, you know all the westerns and easterns i've seen they, they don't have this behavior and the behavior the behavior we're talking about is this little herky-jerky movements of the head back and forth like kind of like rough green snakes do yeah but more like a less of a wiggle and more of like a, a scoot i mean it's a scoot that's the best way to describe it is just yeah. like they scoot forward scoot back scoot forward scoot back scoot forward scoot back and Eventually, like, several hours later, they're on the other side of the road yeah. <laughs> if they're lucky. Yeah, it's like two steps forward, one step back, except yeah. they have no feet to make steps. Yeah, it's interesting to think about. And I, I would assume that's some sort of behavioral camouflage or predator deterrent, make them yeah. look less like a snake and more like a stick blowing in the wind, I yeah. guess. It's well, that, that certainly revived my spirits after two hours of... Not, oh, we were stopping to look at man, uh, praying mantises. It got yeah, so boring. Yeah, twice. So. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, that's, that was nice. And then, uh, I think the next snake was the second Simus. Is that right? The coach whip that escaped. Oh, no, we, we yeah, we lost right. the coach yeah. whip. Nice, uh, coach whip, which that was only a minute or like maybe 20 minutes, if that, before the second, yeah, the second Simus. Though. And those coach whips, uh, I, I, t- I told you, I've only gotten one by jumping out of the car. Yeah. And I wasn't tough. driving. If you're driving, you just might as well wave at it. You yeah. Know? You, you got to have the perfect <laughs> storm to be able to have a chance yeah. of grabbing one, even on a day like today where it was, you know, it wasn't hot. I think we got up to like 76 at the warmest yeah. today. Well, those coach whips are hip to cars. They, they, the car stops and then they go. Yeah. Like, oh. They're smart. Yeah. 
they are not they are not uh, silly snakes at all. But uh, so it was it was kind of fun. I got I got one foot out the door, my head out the door, and it's like, oh, there it goes. All <laughs> yep. Right. Yeah, and uh, my my strategy, like I told you earlier today, is kind of like I want to try to stop in front of them and then get a person in front of them so that they kind of second guess themselves rather because if they if they believe that they can just zoom off the road and get away, it's because they're they can. Right. But if you can trick them into thinking that you're in front of them and then suddenly there's someone on the other side, the passenger gets behind them, driver gets in front of them. Then they don't know what to do. Yeah. And you have a much better shot at grabbing them. Well, I'd like to have that situation sometime. It wasn't happening today. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe, <laughs> Maybe. tomorrow. Yeah. And then after that, the next snake was uh, the second Simus, which is a little bit larger yeah. female. Big female. Yeah. And uh, it was uh, interesting because she was crossing the road at a bend in the road and you talk about the mailman and and the and the the school bus driver, but there was yep. also the UPS driver UPS who probably gets driver. his share. Oh yeah, too. And so we thought the UPS driver was going to come down, make the turn, and come down the road. And uh, uh, so we had to kind of scoot the snake off uh, yeah. out of the way to safety. And he pulled the UPS guy ended up pulling into the driveway about. I don't know, 10 yards in front of where the snake was crossing. Yeah. Yeah. So there really wasn't, you know, we really didn't have to do anything at all, but we did. Yeah. We did it anyway. Just, you know, nobody's going to run over our snake. Yeah. So, Better safe than sorry. Yeah. So it was great. I, you know, I got to, I got to see a couple of Simus today. Um, and, um, that, uh, fulfilled my, uh, wish list for, for today, although I'm greeting and uh, there's a couple other things I'd like to see around here too, but, uh, th those are big ones, uh, but uh, we did, we did have some disappointing finds as well. Yeah. Yeah. We had a, would you like me to, to talk a little bit about the, the dark ages that we experienced around three and 4 PM today? So we're, we, we wrapped up our, our cruising session and the plan today was kind of to to start off cruising and then go flip some tin in the evening when it started to cool off. Because once this time of year, it's cool enough that once the sun goes behind the trees, activity kind of drops off. Um, there's not much of an evening window after the roads in the shade. And you can always cruise stuff, but we were, we were pretty confident that our time would be better spent flipping tin. And uh, I think we were right because we never saw any more live snakes on the road, but we did come across two, count them, two, DOR pine snakes <laughs> that had been hit yeah. today or potentially yesterday for one of them because it was a little stinky, but they were both, you know, it wasn't like sometimes where you find one and it's just jerky or it's skeletonized with a little bit of skin left. Like they were beautiful, both hatchlings from this fall, intergrade Northern Florida pine snakes, um, just beautiful snakes, very rare snakes, even here where they're fairly common, it's still... You know, it's it's not a it's not every day you even see a DOR. So and we got two today. Two, yeah. it, it probably about ten minutes of driving apart. Two, we ran into the gas station, but had we not stopped at the gas station, we would have found those snakes within about ten minutes of each other. Yeah, and I wonder, you know, the 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 first one. I wonder if we just missed that one, or if it had been hit early, much earlier in the day. It's hard to hard to know. It but, wasn't uh, stinky. It wasn't. Uh, rigor mortis. So yeah. I think that snake probably got hit within, you know, two or three hours of when we found it for sure. Yeah. Very disappointing. Uh, and like you say, they're hatchlings, but uh, the hatchlings on those things are, they're not small snakes. That no. We're talking 14, 15 inches. Yeah. Maybe. They hatch out around a foot long and then yeah. the, the, you know, they grow fast too. So those snakes, if they were born, if they hatched in August or September, you know, they might not have even had a meal yet. They probably put on a couple inches and they'll be three feet long by this time next year or bigger. Yeah. 
Very ones fast that can growing. survive the road mortality. <laughs> yeah. But it's interesting too, uh, and we talked talked about this a little bit today, but the, you know, where I live, uh, in Illinois, we have some famous bull snake localities, including uh, sand prairies areas. And, uh, you know, the bull snakes are there and there's also, you know, rodents there for the, the pocket gophers and things like that for them to eat. But around here, you really don't have uh, things like that, uh, you know, the burrowing pocket gopher type situation here. So Yeah, they're uh, here, but they're not abundant. Like you'll see uh, where we're going to go tomorrow morning. We'll probably see some pocket gopher mounds, okay. but none today. Yeah, none today. And it's not like in Florida where you can just drive down any highway and the roadside's littered with pocket gopher. I think right. I want to say we're at the inland extent of the pocket gopher's range. In so here. what are the pine snakes eating here then? In my, this is something we talked about a little bit earlier today, but in my opinion, I think they are eating a lot of ground nesting bird eggs and, you know, potentially even chicks. Um, and my reasoning behind that is, uh, at least in captivity, not that I have any captive experience with pine snakes, but I, you know, keep tabs on a lot of the Pituophis groups on Facebook and stuff. And, you know, just to try to learn more about these snakes because they're one of my favorites and I'm terrible at finding them. So any <laughs> opportunity I get to absorb some kind of information, I'm on it. And I mean, it seems like they have a real affinity for eating eggs and eggs are incredibly nutritious. They're abundant during the right time of year. Um, and they're at least in this type of upland habitat, this is the kind of area, coincidentally, where almost all of these ground nesting birds are looking they're looking for this stuff to, to lay their eggs because there's lots right. of there's lots of herbaceous ground cover, lots of cover on the ground for them to build a nest that's going to be camouflaged from a normal predator that's not able to smell their eggs from however far away a pine snake can can smell that sort of thing. Well, every turkey nest I've ever run across has got had quite a few eggs in it. Yeah, and, and they they're good size. So that's that. If you're an adult pine snake, that's a that's a lot of nutrition right there. Yeah, definitely. And and then when you get up into northern Georgia, there there's definitely not any pocket gophers or any certainly no strong populations of them. Um, and I mean that that almost has to be what the pine snakes further north in the state are eating. Um, otherwise, and we talked about this a little bit too, but otherwise they're going to be competing directly with you know these other large rodent eating snakes that are more abundant, more generalistic. Uh, like your coach whips and rat snakes and yeah, rat snakes, timber rattlesnakes, even, you know, things that are just eating big rodents that otherwise would make a good deal for pine snakes and, or good deal, good meal for pine snakes. Um, but it's interesting to think about. I spend a lot of, a lot of hours sitting around thinking about that exact thing. You know, what are pine snakes eating? Why are they such a pain to find? (laughs) Why are they so much harder to find than the other pituophis. Like you get into the other the other members of the genus and I mean they're they're good finds for the most part, but they're not on the same level of uh at least seemingly low density that pine snakes exist yeah. in. For the most part. There's exceptions but Yeah, I mean you go to Texas and South Texas and places like that, there's lots of bull snakes and yeah. of course gopher snakes further out west and And it might just be because you know, all of the prairie that the, the East Coast used to have is now yards and farm fields and right. overgrown forests that hasn't seen fire on the ground. And then you've just got these little islands like where we are now, where, you know, the state agencies are taking good care of the land and um, other factors are, are making the land more conducive to an open canopy uh, environment. 
Well, it probably doesn't hurt either that they probably managing for upland birds a bit too. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a big part of if, if pine snakes really are eating a lot of eggs, uh, upland bird eggs. And I mean, basically managing for upland birds is managing for snakes for the most part. You're going to, it's going to be a beneficial relationship for both parties. Yeah. The snakes win as well. Yeah. And, and that's not to say that the pine snakes are eating all the turkey and quail eggs because they're not. I mean, there's not enough pine snakes out there to eat all the turkeys and the quail eggs. I know there's probably going to be at least one person who hears this and it's like, oh, not the turkey eggs, because <laughs> that's just where people's minds go when it comes to that sort of thing. We have plenty of turkeys. Exactly. In at least month. we do now. <laughs> yeah. In another month, we're going to have some really delicious turkeys. So. <laughs> yeah, we're good. We really are. And up north, you, you, you talk about them, the pine snakes here being sort of an intergrade uh, between the the southern and the northern yeah uh, uh, animals, but up up in northern Georgia, it's more uh, they consider those to be uh, well, the northern pine. Is yeah, that correct. Yeah, and they're they're not just northern pines too, because they're a very weird inland form of the northern pine snake. That's, I mean, it, I'm not necessarily saying that I think this is the case, but I wouldn't disagree if someone were to try to subspeciate the inland northern pines from the the more coastal northern pines and like uh, the Atlantic coastal plain. Cause they're just, their their color scheme, their behavior, their habitat is just so different from what pine snakes inhabit in the coastal plain throughout their range. Right. And it's, I mean, they're just so much more enigmatic and they're already an enigmatic snake. But when you get into those environments where you don't have Sandhill, you don't have your textbook classic super loamy soil like this that we're in today, uh, they just become a very weird snake and a very hard snake to find, as hard as any, in my opinion. Yeah. I up mean, there, up there. Yeah. At least yeah. in the northern half of the state. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of the, um, what we call the species continuum, you know, with uh, king snakes uh, from the uh, Pacific all the way over to the Atlantic and then down into Mexico and yeah. uh, rat snakes, the same thing, the rat snake continuum. Uh, so I'm a big fan of that. You know, it's a it's a big, um, uh, no, not a complex, but uh, the animals change as they move across the landscape, and uh, they change accordingly what the to the the phenotypes that that uh, make sense for them in that area. So yeah. I kind of think it maybe the same way with the pine snakes. We like to, for me, you know, we like to split these things up and call them different. Uh, you know, different uh, species or different subspecies. That's you know, it's fine. Yeah. You know, as yeah. life lister, I like subspecies, but. Uh, to me, it's too. It's, I try to think of it as it's still a continuum, you know, from the gopher snakes out on the west coast uh, and down in, in southern Baja, all the way over to the east coast of North America, where yeah. we have the pine snakes. So, yeah, it's a it's and it's really we saw some of the rat snake continuum today that you were talking about. Yeah, we did. Just like with pine snakes, we're in a weird area of integration with rat snakes, where you get you get snakes that are solid black, and you get textbook gray rat snakes side by side. Like the first yeah. rat snake we saw today was almost completely black. But the second one was your classic gray, I guess you would call yeah. it. Yeah. Very beautiful. Like basically just a, a, a five and a half foot snake that has maintained that hatchling rat snake pattern. Yeah. Blotches and stripes. Gorgeous animal. That was an impressive snake. Yeah. <laughs> Mike uh, was excited about that I was. one. We lifted up this, this tent and this, this thing is kind of what I call triangled up. It's laying in a, a very flat triangular coil 
and glowing. Uh, not a like, coil. <laughs> it's all flat. It's just it's just sort of. Uh, it looks like you put it in a panini press and just. Yeah. Yeah, or or, or <laughs> like you're racking up uh, pool balls in a you know one of the yeah, pool just, ball racks. It was just right in there, and and like you say, yeah, kind of pinioned flat uh, <clears throat> into so a perfect little space that the snake fits into. Yeah, what was that word you used earlier today to describe that? Like the, the feeling of a snake being like oh pressed. yeah, thigmotactile, thigmotactile, yeah, because they like to feel things above them and below them. And they like to feel like they're got things around them you yeah know, they they, they uh, that look for areas like that so they can feel secure he was all thigmo tactiled up under he that was, piece of tin <laughs> he was totally thig man <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that was a, an impressive snake i was really excited to see that and i and you know that lots of rat snakes i've seen lots in my day i just still get excited about it especially uh one that looks different from the black rat snake where i live you know yeah but, uh, yeah and and that snake was exceptional even for here but it, it kind of was like your textbook like central to north georgia gray rat snake it wasn't really that white oak gray rat snake that some people right. might be envisioning when they say like we're in the georgia coastal plain and we found a rat snake a lot of people are probably thinking of like a low contrast very faded white oak rat snake looking yeah. snake but this thing nope is very bold contrast like it, it almost looked just like you took a hatchling rat snake and you made it five and a half feet long. <laughs> yeah. 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 So that was, that was a, another good find. I, I enjoyed that, um, immensely. So the tin flipping was largely successful after our pine snake woes. Though. Yeah. We transitioned successfully into the next phase of our day yeah. and we flipped a racer and a rat snake. Yeah. And the racer was just a, your typical Southern, Southern black racer, a nice looking velvety black. Uh, what kind of freshly shed. Yeah. Look, look really nice. So that was that was good too. I uh, always like seeing those, and we didn't really disturb that too much. We just yeah, took we his didn't. Picture yeah, we just lowered his tin down. <laughs> and then uh, I'll tell you what, man, the briars around here are awful. Uh, I, yeah, uh, I took Mike uh, to the worst flip spot in Georgia. <laughs> I am for, wearing for pants briars. tomorrow. Oh man, uh, I looks like I got in a fight. It looks like I went to a <laughs> looks like I went to a feline rescue and <laughs> with tuna on my legs or something. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just tore up. So, um, yeah, I, uh, and, and he also forgot to mention the part where both of us forgot to bring a snake hook or anything with which to whack away the briars before we flipped the 10. Um, uh, and this goes all the way back to snake road again. I took my snake hook out of the car and so did Mike yeah. to go to snake road because you're not allowed to have collecting paraphernalia, even if it's not being used for collecting, it could be interpreted as such. So I mean, generally, anytime you're going to a place, you're not allowed to collect snakes. You don't want to have that stuff on you. So we take them out of the car, even though that's not what we use them for. We use them to lift things for the most part. But long story short, we took both of our hooks out of our car. And here we are the next day looking for or the next week or whatever, looking for snakes without hooks, which we don't even use on snakes. Most of the time we use them to whack away briars and Exactly. Get the tin lifted up and keep your fingers away from the pokey bits for yeah, the most part. Exactly. It's the most useful thing, snake hooks. Yeah. And uh, you know, that's that's uh, it, you feel naked without your snake hooks, you know, in these situations. So. Yeah. I mean, we were just kind of like we looked like we were tiptoeing through the the woods because every <laughs> yeah. step we took, we had to stomp down a blackberry bush and yeah and you're trying you're trying to record some of your little your little video vignettes <laughs> and I'm in the background going Oh. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I, I made a joke in my video that I was filming today about how this 
this is actually just a Mike Pingleton getting stabbed simulator video because you can just hear Mike in the background. Ah, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that stuff was bad. So, and I'm still my my I'm still here. My my legs are just shredded, and I'm just like, oh man. Yeah, my legs burn uh, right now. Yeah, they hurt. But be that as it may, it was it was fun, and um, it's interesting too. Uh, you know, the rat snake came from this. It's an old barn. Correct me if I'm wrong. We have an yeah. old barn in the woods. Yeah, it's got like, because we were finding like big mammal bones under the tent, like yeah. cow bones or horse bones or yeah. something from, you know, 50 years ago or whatever, back yeah. when that property was used as a farm. Um, but there was a fire. Yeah. So they, there was a controlled burn and it collapsed the barn and the whole roof is just sitting there in the forest. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So you know, once you get to the briars, you know, we, we get this nice rat snake and, uh, uh, you know, it was kind of fun and we poked around a little bit and I thought we were kind of done. But then at the very end, uh, you pull us, pull us in another nice uh, species for the day. Yeah. I had to go back for seconds. I knew that that tin was not thoroughly inspected. So I, I went tearing around on this collapsed roof and trying to pry up as much of it as I could and look underneath. But it's just like, like Mike said, the place had burned to the ground semi-recently and the underneath of the tin was just ashy and charred, and my hands were gross looking from flipping the tin, and it was hard to really look under any of it because it's all tangled up and nailed together still. And I start working my way to the outskirts because I was thinking maybe I'll have a better chance at being able to peek under this stuff, you know, from the from a different angle if I'm outside of the, the actual fallen roof. And as I'm working my way over to the edge to try to flip some of the pieces, I notice the my favorite little pancake of death coiled <laughs> right there right where it's supposed to be right by the edge of the tin a beautiful timber rattlesnake or cane break in these parts yeah and it is nice golden head and it uh it, it's it's kind of had its head out a little bit on the tin if i remember right yeah it was it kind of looked like it was an ambush right there yeah i don't know if it was basking or what but it was it was pancaked like they do when they're hunting um, which, you know, with all the, the rodent nests and rodent droppings and bones and stuff we saw over there, there's, you know, there's bound to be plenty of rodent activity around that kind of structure. So, uh, and especially this time of year, that snake was probably looking for his last meal of the, the of fall the season. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's funny because, uh, it, you look at these situations, uh, just a big pile of chin. <laughs> a big pile of chin. Big pile of chin. A big pile of tin, and uh, it's on the edge of some ag fields, and you just know, you know, it's like there has to be this has to be used by pit vipers. Yeah, and uh, sure enough, there's and and it's not like there's a there's not like there's a uh, cane break under every piece of tin, but there's probably a, a few t- cane breaks that have you know taken up residence under this. Yeah. Uh, and we're in that beautiful part of the country where you could find a timber and a, a cane break, or a timber, a diamondback and a cane break side by side, too. Yes. So that's kind of like, when I first found that barn, I was like, this has got a lot of potential. So do you think that would be a good spot for eastern diamondback rattlers, too? I hope so. That's Yeah. That's I mean, that's why I ended up there initially, as I was looking for a diamondback. And then, like I, like I was telling you... The last two trips I took to that barn, as I was driving in, I found D.O.R. Hortus, like on my yeah. way to flip that ten. Um, so I, I, you know, I was I was optimistic that it would produce at the very least a cane break eventually. 
Um, but it never did until today. So yay. That was another one of those things I was just telling Mike about. I was like, this, you know, I was frustrated that we didn't find any rattlesnakes there today because like we had pretty much given up when we found that rat snake. We were like, all right, day's over. Yeah. But then I was just too hungry and I went back for <laughs> I went back for seconds and Yeah, I'm we glad got you did. Them. <laughs> yeah. That was that was pretty that was pretty cool. Because previously before that barn actually fell, you couldn't get to that area where the rattlesnake was because it was just a wall of really tall oh, briars and stuff. Yeah. And then when the roof collapsed, it kind of made it so you can just walk over there on the roof. Yeah, I know we cursed the briars and uh, rightly so, but at the same time, they help, uh, you know, maintain a nice little area for those snakes to operate with. Uh, and they're black, they're know. blackberry bushes for the most part. So they produce tons of food yeah, for rodents. Attract, attract rodents. and Exactly. Yeah. So it's a win-win for the rattlers. In yeah. There and it's they... really our fault for not bringing snake hooks and wearing long pants. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wearing long pants tomorrow yeah. for sure. Yeah. So. Mike's going to wear long pants tomorrow <laughs> and I'm going to take him through a walk through the most scenic park-like savanna he's ever seen. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> no, there really there is there is a lot of briars there. It's just easier to walk around them compared to where we were today. Oh. Uh, you know, it's one of the it's one of the things you sit around a fire talk about how how uh, painful it was, but at the same time, it, you know, by next week it's like, oh, it's just a it's just a memory. Yeah, you Hey, got... remember that day when the briars really got us. So. <laughs> you've got a new thing to be mad at. <laughs> Next time you're out, oh, today it's the fire ants or the ticks or oh, whatever. Man. Well, that we didn't get any ticks today. I don't know what the tick situation here is. There's not a lot of ticks in this part of the state. You get up into like North Georgia though, and it's, ugh, it sucks. It's bad up there. And yeah. of course there's fire ants here, which. Uh, yeah, got I a had, couple of those today. Yeah, they're around. So, um, you know, it's typical day <laughs> herping. Yeah, just so. another, you take the good with the bad. But I'll take all that over, you know, like. Yellow jackets or oh, me too. Or killer bees, you know these. Miss me with the flying stinging insects, yeah, please. Yeah, I've had a couple stories on on here about uh, you know killer bees. <laughs> yeah, and and those aren't like killer bees or yellow jackets are bad enough. I'm just oh, glad man. we don't have killer bees here because yeah. that would make a lot of my rattlesnake flipping endeavors <laughs> a lot scarier. Oh, flipping these big abandoned buildings like that. Yeah, that we were at especially today. if you're have. To, if you have to run away through a briar patch. Yeah, if there's, if there's razor wire separating you from being able to, to get to open ground. And then yeah. today, even if, like, if we'd been chased by bees, we would have to run through those briars and we would have to cross that open field with the big scary dog barking at us <laughs> to get yeah. to our car. It's just one thing after another. Yeah, that was a rather large dog who was who was being very vocal. And when they are when they have that really deep bass guitar, <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh my God, it's Cujo over there, you know? <laughs> yeah, we were talking about like the dog, we heard the dog barking, but we didn't realize he was like right there. Right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He was yeah. between us and the car. So yeah. we, we took the scenic route back to the car. <laughs> yeah. It's better to be saved, <laughs> excuse me, it's better to be safe than sorry. Yeah. Uh, with, with those, those he's just doing his job. You know, he thinks his job is to guard that cornfield. So Yeah, he thinks his job is to, <laughs> To guard the public land from public <laughs> land enjoyment. Oh, well. You know, he doesn't know. He can't read. <laughs> <laughs> he can't read the yeah, signs. He can't read the signs. So, oh. so what are, what's on tap for tomorrow? We're going to do some uh, flipping in the morning. going to do a reverse of yes, of today, right? Yeah. We're going to... We're going to rattle some cold tin first thing in the morning and hope to catch a sleeping coach whip or, if we're really lucky, something a little more uncommon. And then we're going to hit the roads and try to redeem our DOR pine or maybe 
see something that would be a lifer for Mike that I'm not going to jinx. <laughs> okay, let's not talk about it. No, we're not going to yeah. say that word. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you know, it's kind of funny that, that uh, it feels like uh, the, the Hogtober thing is, it, it does feel like this area gets a lot of attention. Uh, Florida and Georgia, Hogtober, that, you know, that's kind of a thing for this area. But I mean, it's, it's also, uh, you can do that elsewhere in the country too. It's not yeah. just, not just here. Yeah. Know? I mean, hog, East, Eastern hog noses are one of the most wide ranging species in the U S and then Western hog noses are another one. Yeah. I mean, yeah. this, this is something that can be celebrated in any local patch of sand. Yeah. In October for the most part. I know. I know. Yeah. I mean, don't even think about trying to find a hog nose outside of October. It's not possible. <laughs> <laughs> not even not, not even worth the trouble, guys. Yeah. I promise. Well, we we could have potentially got an eastern and a southern today because they op- occupy the same. Yeah, area. yeah, yeah. This is a cool a cool place like that, and and, and a lot of places that that have a nasicus type hognose will also have platyrhinos. Yeah, um, which is is very cool and, and the, interesting. The, the, the platyrhinos are crawling around looking for toads, and the nasicus are crawling around looking for rodents and eggs. Yeah, and uh, there's some, there's definitely some, some interesting uh, niche partitioning happening with those guys. Yeah, and uh, it, you know, they're in the same genus, but they, they are kind of really different snakes. Yeah. You know, yeah, the eastern hognose versus uh, westerns and uh, dusties, and uh, maybe even the Mexicans are, yeah, are different kinds of of hognose compared to the eastern. So yeah, and, and it seems like. And we were talking about this earlier today, but for those who don't know, simus are more closely related to Western hognoses than they are Eastern hognoses. Yeah. So when you find a, you know, a Southern hognose, it, it's, it's basically like an Eastern Western <laughs> in, in its body shape and build and, and yeah. habits. Um, yeah. Whereas the Eastern hognoses are just kind of their own thing and they're, they're a lot, they're a lot more prone to play dead, a lot more. Uh, prone to to actually hood up in the classic spreading adder behavior that they get the colloquial name from, whereas a, a southern or a western is more likely to just hiss at you and try to run away. Mm, yeah, yeah. Which easterns will hiss too, but it's a different yeah. hiss. It's a weird. It's an interesting. It's a longer. Hiss. I don't know. It's a longer, louder thing. Yeah, it's almost more like yeah. a pituophis than an yeah, an eastern. Yeah. yeah. But I, I've had easterns that'll really scream at you too it's just but it's interesting they do sound different well i have i've seen westerns this year easterns this year and now southerns this year you got to go complete heterodon in a year <laughs> you have to now <laughs> you know it, it actually i'm not going to say much but it actually oh it might be possible this year oh it may actually be something that might happen but i don't Wait, know so what are you missing mexican uh, i would be the kennerly eye the mexican hognose and uh, the dusties oh heterodon Gloidy, uh, which I looked for this year, but I didn't see any. Uh, but it's possible I could uh, maybe stop there on the way home and yeah, uh, uh, not too far, and maybe see those. So we'll see. I don't know, but uh, wouldn't that be cool to get all the dons and <laughs> all the dons? <laughs> yeah, that would it's be like cool. my friend Doc but Don Becker says. Well, I am the original hetero don. <laughs> Shut up, Don. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't that be cool to get all all five of those in uh, one year? Yeah, it would. That'd be a small club. And I actually, the, the Dusties that I saw in Missouri a couple weeks ago were my last U.S. heterodon. Uh, not for the year. I, I think I, yeah, I'd need to see. That closed the book for you? Yeah, for the for okay. the genus. Um, yeah. Not well, in one year, but, you know. Sure. Well, the, the, the Southerns closed the book for me. There you go. Today. So That's cool. 
Yeah, it took took me. This is uh, my fourth try. So, and uh, I've looked for them before. Looked for them in Florida. Uh, good good habitat in the same time of year, uh, but uh, uh, no luck. So um, it was it's great to come down here and hang out with you and uh, have another shot at them. And uh, well, I'm glad it panned out. Yeah, with yeah. with many of uh, many fun extra things on the side. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And sad things too. Well, the, you know, it's so sad these 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 little snakes. I mean, they just just getting started, you know. And uh, yeah, these baby uh, pine snakes, and it's just hard to take when you find them uh, run over on the road. And I, I don't know, especially um, two in ten minutes. That's that's another level yeah. of what what on earth is going on. <laughs> yeah, I just hope there's another thousand of them out there. Yeah. Well, I mean, they probably each have. A dozen or more siblings crawling around, hopefully. So, yeah, yeah. Try to be positive, and about that's it. just two clutches. I mean, they, <laughs> yeah, those two—they were too far yeah. apart to be siblings. So, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, there's there's plenty more I think out there. Also, you know, the other thing that that strikes me about the pine snakes too is it's they don't necessarily have to be in the piney woods. You know, they have other habitats that they yeah. As long as there's some loose soil, they they can get around and do other things or yeah. be other places. So, and it seems like that applies to all, a lot of the the upland snakes here, uh, like cymus and mole kings. And yeah, you could find a lot of those those snakes in like your kind of classic overgrown old field, as long as the soil is still sandy and loamy. Yeah, and that that's kind of something that I've thought about a lot recently too, when it comes to like declines of cymus because. There's a lot of places where cymus were historically found and are no longer found. Um, but unless they just completely concreted this place over, I would be surprised if these snakes went anywhere as long as the, the sandy soil remains. Based yeah. on the microhabitats we find them crawling out of, like just trailer parks, yards, um, giant fields with nothing in them. Like, yeah. It seems like they they can handle the disturbance as long as... Keep the school buses down. Yeah, as long as you can, you can only, I, th- I think there's only so many adults that can get ran over by cars before the population's toast. Yeah. Um. So that I, hopefully that never happens here. Yeah. But. You bring in, you know, lots of people in development and then that's, that's yeah. when things go south. But, it's the, it's the inevitable yeah. curse of building neighborhoods and yeah. infrastructure. Progress, but I, yeah. I don't think so. Uh, Keep the progress thirty miles the other direction. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, and that's as long as we, uh, as long as we can uh, keep the development within the, the surrounding uh, cities and and not out here. It, I think they'll be okay. Yeah, uh, it's not land that's easily farmable. No, not if you uh, want to be a successful farmer. I wouldn't yeah. think. And and I guess there's, there's timber harvest, so it's a lot of tree farms and things like that too. So. Yeah, but it seems like a lot of these species can handle that type of disturbance um because i mean it, it kind of replicates the natural secessional cycle of an upland forest you know it burns to the ground every once in a while and when you cut yeah. all the trees down it kind of it's like fire without fire i mean it doesn't have as many benefits but it opens the canopy up and allows right. you know those dormant seeds and grasses and all that stuff that's been just sitting there marinating under pine straw for however many years to, to bloom and grow back. Yeah. And the soil's still there and the habitat for the snakes is back to normal in a year or two when those little grasses and seedlings and saplings start to come up and yep. it doesn't look like a wasteland uh, like it does right after it's clear cut. And, uh, you know, we, we talked a little bit about 
clear-cutting today and how much it can suck, but there's worse things that can happen to a an upland forest, for yeah, sure. Like uh, Walmart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anything with concrete. Or know. traffic. Or traffic, yeah. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, this I kind of want to get a, a, take a step back and talk about the herping season is, is not quite over for you. You've got some things you're going to keep doing for a little while. Yet. Yeah. Did you have like something, was there something in that happened this year that was some fine that was just the heads above the rest? What was, what was <sighs> if I, I mean, if I just had to pick a find, um, I would think I would probably say flipping a coral snake under 10 in the Georgia Piedmont was, <laughs> was my pig. Yeah. And you know, that's kind of hard to say that seeing as I, I was fortunate enough to go to Japan and see a lot of really cool things there. Well, you're going to put that over those, those Japanese herbs and the giant salad? <sighs> well, it's just, it's more of a novel thing. Like, I don't know that anybody has ever done that before. And it, yeah, in, in, in the Georgia Piedmont. I don't know that, that it'll happen again to me anytime soon. I hope it does, but... <laughs> framing this properly for us. This is a really rare Yeah, it's not event. I mean prior to a couple of uh, you know, a couple of years ago, I never thought I would see a coral snake in this like weird montane habitat that they live in at the inland most extent of their range in Georgia. It's completely unlike anything else you find coral snakes. And I mean we're sitting here today in prime sandy coral snake uplands that have apparently no coral snakes. But you go to the mountains north of here and there's coral snakes why is that that's, that's a great question i you know i i want to know the answer to that question more than just about anything else <laughs> and that that's why it's so cool to find one using cover and like because most of the time when i find them they're on the road so i mean you only learn so much from that you you know they're moving between that side of the road and this side of the road but when you actually see one and the, you see the exact habitat that that snake is utilizing I feel like I picked up a lot from that. Um, and, and they're just, it's almost like two different things trying to pick between Japan and picking. Because like if I had to pick my favorite trip of the year, it would definitely be Japan. But Well, did you have a favorite animal in Japan? Oh, yeah. The the giant salamanders. I mean, just the, like just seeing us, like giant salamanders are like alligator snapping turtles of the salamander world. They're just like this anomaly that's, on another level from the rest of their... Like going to dinosaur land. Yeah. It's like, what... Why is this hellbender five times bigger than it's supposed to be on the other side of the planet? <laughs> but it it's almost... It it scratches two different itches for me. Like, the, the, the coral snake scratches that, like, okay, this is a species that I'm familiar with already, and it's a species that I, you know, I'm trying to learn more about in a, a place that we know nothing about them. And so building on that is like a it's more of like a developing relationship whereas finding things in japan and learning about japan is like starting an, a new relationship with new animals that are you know I, I don't know anything about and still even after seeing them i know very little about so i feel like i didn't learn as much from from being in japan the first time as i did from going to this area where i find the coral snakes the millionth time and successfully finding another one like it's just it's a building knowledge versus like starting knowledge and I mean, you can't, well, you can't really, you can't make the argument that a giant salamander is, is not cooler than a coral snake. Cause it is, but, but in terms of experience, uh, the, the, the yeah. snake, uh, 
like you say, uh, trip your trigger. Yeah, and you know, with the giant salamanders, they're a very, they're a, like a, a very protected animal. So you can't touch them. You can't get hands on. Uh, and it's it's not it's not like I really did anything to see that animal other than flying to Japan. Like it was kind of, you know, spoon fed to me in a way that like, I don't think I got like, and it's not that I don't appreciate it, but it is like, it wasn't the same experience. It's, it's apples to oranges kind of comparing those two things. It's, it's just a different situation for me. But um, you did find some herps on your own in Japan. I did. Um, and, and that was like, you know, if I had to pick a comparable experience to the coral snake, like getting off the plane, walking to my hotel, and then walking to the nearest park in the middle of the city in Tokyo and successfully finding one of my biggest target snakes was probably the most excited I was that whole trip. Because, it, so it was, it was day one in Japan, like day one of like full day. So we landed the evening before at like six o'clock in the afternoon. So we had, you know, a couple hours of daylight to, to do whatever, but we mostly were jet lagged, just got off of a heinous 14 hour flight or whatever and so we just kind of retreated to the hotel room you know it's kind of like i don't want to say a culture shock but it's just like weird being in a place that you've never been for that like that was my first time herping internationally as an adult like on my own like and i was with my little brother so it was like you know he knows more about japan than i do he speaks a little yeah he speaks a little japanese not he's not fluent or anything but he knows the basics and I didn't know anything. So just like being plopped down, getting off an airplane and being in this place is just, it's intimidating and like, okay, I want to just go decompress in my hotel room for today. And then in the morning we'll get up and get to it. So that's what we did. We got up and you know, it's way hotter in Japan than you were, than I was expecting it to be. So the overnight low in Tokyo was like 80 degrees. So you, you get up first thing in the morning, it's already 80 degrees and the sun hasn't even crested the skyline yet. Exactly. So, it, you know, not the best weather. I wasn't expecting to see anything. And we just walked to the closest strip of anything that resembled nature we could find because we're quite literally within walking distance of the the main airport. Yeah. That's okay. in the city of Tokyo. So we walk, we walk to this park that's like, I don't know, a mile and a half from the hotel room. So it, it's, it's a decent walk just to get to this park. And, you know, it, it looks like, you know, it looks like trash. Like it's, there's no habitat there. It's like a soccer field with a strip of tall grass and then that's it. So we're walking, like, might as well walk the edge, see what we see, not expecting anything. And, I keep seeing this stuff moving in the grass. I'm like, what am I seeing? Is this lizards or snakes or what? And there's there's these crabs everywhere. So <laughs> there's crabs everywhere that I keep thinking are snakes. And I see one move and I, it gets me excited and then it's just a crab. And then eventually I see something move and I'm like, that's not a crab. And it was this, like, I just see the snake tail go under a lot, like the only sort of log or structure of any kind on this like barren grassy field is just like, a log that, and it didn't look like it had even been there very long. It, it was still like green grass underneath it. So I, I flipped the log over there's nothing there. And then I see the tail moving through the grass again. I just grab it. And I, I knew it wasn't venomous, whatever it was. Cause I could, I thought it was a lizard and I, I come up and in my hand is a Japanese four lined rat snake that looks like, you know, it, it looks kind of like a yellow rat snake, but with a King rat snake head on it. If you're familiar with King rats and they're, just a super cool looking snake. And, and I wasn't expecting to find one in such an urban environment. Like it was just, I thought I would see one. I knew they were fairly common, but I wasn't expecting to just get one right off the bat like that. So 
That's sweet. That's I was really, really excited about that snake. Wow. Still am. That's really working the margins, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, there's a little bit of green, so let's go... Let's go find something cool. And that's that's always fun herping too. Like even in the U.S., if you go to a new city and there's like a, a silly little park right in the middle of town, it's always fun to go into those urban parks and see what's hanging on. Yeah. I, you know, my first trip to Thailand, uh, I, I picked the hotels and I was like, we want to stay downtown or, but I thought, wow, I want to, if I can find a hotel next to a big park with a big lake, we could find some stuff. And we did. And of course it was, you know, and it was Red-eared sliders. <laughs> oh, they had some red-eared. Uh, don't get me wrong, but they had others. We had like five other species of turtle. Wow. Right there. Every turtle that was in Thailand was in that park. Wow. Uh, in the water. And so, uh, um, uh, including the, the Kuora, the, you know, the, uh, uh box turtles over there and, uh, Kuora abo fasciata. And, uh, oh my God, it was just, it was fabulous. And then we had a rice patty about, uh, uh, like you, know, like uh, maybe a mile and a half walk away. We went yeah. to rice paddies at night and cleaned up on, uh, you know, the ahitula prezinas and uh, uh, fro- rice paddy frogs and, uh, st- and stuff like that. So it was definitely the smart move. Yeah, know? just within walking distance of your hotel yeah. in Bangkok. Yeah. So, so I, I, I smell what you're rolling in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's an interesting experience. Just just any time you go to a new place and you're in a city like that, just to to explore and go to some obscure little park like that. I mean, I still, I, I did a lot more when I was younger and I didn't have the, the facilities to just like rent a car or whatever. And I get plopped down in a random city on family vacation, walk to a park from the hotel or something and, you know, find, find some obscure snakes. And it, it's the kind of thing that like, I wish I could make myself do intentionally more now. Like, you know, it's so it's so easy to get to slip into this. Okay, we got to go to the nicest habitat. Right. We got to go to the most pristine place and look for the snake that we've never found. But sometimes it, it's it's like an underrated experience to go to a park in the middle of the city and just see what kind of snakes are there. Yeah, and sometimes you're really surprised. Well, yeah, really. I I think there's some sort of weird density concentration happening in some of those places too, where you just get like absurd densities of snakes that you wouldn't expect to see normally in these little urban parks. And without, without listing any specific places or cities, I, I've seen it a couple of times with snakes that are normally pretty tough to find. And you get into yeah. these little green belts and they're surprisingly abundant. Right. I saw this, I had the same experience in Taiwan a few years ago and I, I want to go into the details on that, but yeah, it's the same thing. It's a small urban area, uh, urban forest, snakes out the wazoo um are kind of concentrated in a small spot yeah because they i mean they don't really have and i i don't know if it necessarily makes sense to say they don't have anywhere to go because they might be able to survive in yards and stuff but well, well that's the, kind like of the that. the weird thing about you know these big asian cities like bangkok and uh maybe tokyo and other you know these people have they have frogs in their garden and yeah you know the reticulated python comes through once a week and, and that kind of thing and you know they have lizards and so on and so forth and geckos. And so that seems to be much more commonplace than our sanitized for your protection North American subdivision. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, where we bulldoze everything, put in your sod and give you a, a Bartlett pear tree in your front yard. And there you go. There's your wildlife. Uh, <laughs> I, I think part of that, too, could be the tropical climate allows. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like you don't have to worry about having as much structure. If you're a snake, if you live in Bangkok, as you would even in Atlanta. Yeah. And I think that's That's probably what's leading to a lot of our 
you know, our more urban areas just experiencing these abysmal uh, die-offs or apparent die-offs in common species. It's just, they run out. There's only so much habitat that they can work with when it comes, because they have to be able to satisfy their basic needs of food, water, and basically shelter for being able to brewmate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's a, I guess that's not a problem you have if you live in a a really tropical or or neotropical area. You don't have to have this uh, uh, additional requirement. Yeah. And for a lot of snakes, especially bigger snakes, it's a, it's a lofty requirement too. It's not just like, I mean, they need a pretty big hole. Um, yeah. And (laughs) food supply and things like that, you know, it all, it, it's all kind of tied together and, and, um, North America is kind of different that way too. We don't have a lot of, other than maybe pigeons and, uh, uh, raccoons, we don't have a lot of urban, urban city animals either for things to eat. So, yeah, that's a, that's an interesting, an interesting thing to think about too, because you hear about like city rats all the time, but I mean, what, is it possible for a snake, like if, if say a rat snake ended up somewhere in like a tiny lot in New York city, would there be enough food there? If there's all these city rats that people always talk about. I don't know. Those things are, have you seen those things? They're huge. Like, no, I, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't, I don't really know what the city rat situation is all about. I just hear about it. So, but you know, there's, there's guys that, uh, find like milk snakes in the Bronx, you know, in, in old, uh, grown over lots and stuff. Yeah. So they do hang on. And, and there's and, uh, snakes in Central Park too. Yeah. Uh, uh, in fact, uh, my buddy Marty Whalen got a, a brown snake in Central Park. That's just cool. Like that, that yeah. would, it's just cool. Yeah. And he wasn't herping. He was like going through Central Park to go to a wedding and he was like crossing through it and they, he got a brown snake. I'm if like, I, if I ever end up in New York, I have to at least give it a crack and just see if I can find a snake <laughs> in Central Park. Yeah. Well, I hear they have red, red sliders there too, but you Thank know. God. <laughs> <laughs> That's the other good thing about the parks, you know, and exotic locations that if there's some turtles you haven't seen, if, if they're in the park lake, there are, chances are they're much more habituated to people and you'll get a better Yeah, look, you can actually you know? get a photo of them. Yeah. I'm like trying to photograph a map turtle from 400 miles away on <laughs> yeah. a bridge. <laughs> yeah, which, uh, yeah, I've done it a few times. It's like, the, <laughs> I love map turtles and I hate taking pictures of map turtles because I just, it's, it's so unsatisfying to just see this brown speck on a log from a bridge and be like, yeah, oh, there he is. <laughs> Yeah, and then get like a blurry photo of him from a mile away. Yeah, well, the secret with with those is to look uh, check the boat ramps. Yeah, um, because they're habituated around yeah. boat ramps, and that I, that that paid off for me when I went for um, uh, Graptemi's uh, uh, Nigranota, the the black knob sawback. Yeah, know. still need to uh, see that. One. And you know, it got close enough to where I, you could get some good shots with my uh, 100, 300 lens, and and. Um, that worked out well. So. Yeah, that's not bad. So that was uh, also something I discovered. Like, oh, boat, boat ramps are good because uh, the turtles occupy that space, but they're used to people coming and going, boats coming and going. So. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, they have to, they can't jump in the water every time a person unloads a boat at the boat ramp. Otherwise, they, they, never they get would never be able in, to yeah. bask. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they have to get used to it or leave, I guess. Well, what else? Okay, Japan was cool, and you probably want to go back sometime and uh, and do some cool things there. But it, it, is this sort of lit the fire in you to uh, do some more um, some more international herping? It definitely has, and and I, you know, it's always been 
like I just love Asia. Like Asia's that's where my my interests are largely on the international front. Like a, a lot of my like if you told me to like list my top 10 snakes in the world, which I'm not going to do on the spot, but if <laughs> if you gave me a second to think about it, they would all they would almost all be in Asia. In Asia. Yeah. At least the ones that aren't in North America. In Cobra. <laughs> Got <laughs> exactly. There you go. Yeah. Um <laughs> Mang Shan Bit Piper. <laughs> but, oh, dreaming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I dream about that. I dream about that one too. <laughs> yeah, so I, I definitely I want to get back to Japan. I have some unfinished business in terms of big target species I wanted to see that I didn't get to see. Yeah. And uh just really start getting my feet wet elsewhere in Asia too. It's an it's an endless wealth of diversity over yeah. there. Well, I want to wrap this up, but I want to, um, before we do, um, and it's, it's starting to get a little chilly out tonight because the moon's up, we have uh, no cloud cover and it's going to get down in the upper forties tonight. So we're going to, yeah. it's going to get a little chilly, uh, but it's nice to sit under the moon. We got a little bit of moonlighting. Yeah. It's very us. bright out here. Yeah. And uh, maybe our eyes are just adjusting <laughs> to, to sitting out in the dark. But, yeah. I mean, almost, I can see every tree. Yeah. I think that the moon's us. a big help. Right now, but uh, it's pretty big. Um, let's let's uh, get a little pro- uh, promotion in here before we before we sign off. We had you on the show before, and we talked about your um, herping video venture. I would call it uh, uh, NKF herping. Uh, and uh, let, let's talk about a little bit about that. If somebody missed that show, um, tell us a little bit about that. So, I I kind of have have fallen into this rabbit hole of making these videos of of my basically just. A, a video blog or a vlog of my my herping experiences over the last couple of years and uh hopefully for a couple more years to come and it's been a really interesting experience doing this and and cataloging it all and i just the, the goal of my my content my videos is to capture the herping experience and uh, try to instill an appreciation for for not just herps but the ecosystem public land natural and natural areas just try to foster some sort of appreciation for those things um in people not only people that already appreciate them but people who otherwise might might not really end up falling into that rabbit hole but they click on one of my videos and realize hey this is pretty interesting um it's been it's been incredibly fun and incredibly rewarding to to talk to people who have actually been impacted by that in a in a positive way so yeah, my channel is NKF Herping. I, I upload weekly videos on YouTube year round. Sometimes they have snakes, sometimes they don't. But <laughs> I, I try to get snakes in them as often as I can. Um, obviously during the winter, sometimes that can be a little tough. But there's other things to look at: salamanders, yeah, mushrooms, pretty much. <laughs> you know, anything in the forest that catches my attention, I'll I'll talk about it a little bit. And I, you know, I'm always learning about and learning new things about. My, my local areas and anywhere I travel. So you kind of get to learn with me when it comes to things that aren't snakes because I don't have any sort of expertise in, in that. And I'm trying to get, you know, trying to absorb as much information as I can as I go about about those things. Because I, I truly believe that learning about the other things, you know, the environment, the ecosystem, the plants, the birds, is is very important to being a well-rounded field herper. And, yeah. And also just... I, I think it's it's kind of weird if you're into snakes but don't care about the rest of it. Yeah, uh, and it, it all ties together. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, like we're talking about upland game birds today. Yeah. And and understanding something about those animals and and those the their requirements, uh, it does help you um, put together uh, a better picture of of you know very various herbs uh, what they need and what their what their requirements are. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I I kind of dig that. I like uh, I also you know I've been around you enough now. I've I've seen you uh, shoot plenty of video segments. Uh, been in a few, maybe some of them where I'm getting scratched by briars. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, check out <laughs> check out this video to see Mike Pingleton abusing blackberry bushes oh, with a man. stick. I had to get some revenge. Um, <laughs> I waxed some bushes today, folks. I'm I'm not proud of it, but I did it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I like I like what you do and I like you know the the fact your your uh, camera is is rarely pointed towards you. Yeah. It's always pointed towards the subject. I hate and, being uh, on camera. Yeah. So I like I, this a lot more frankly. Like <laughs> I actually genuinely enjoy this format a lot in terms of you know I don't ever want to have a podcast cuz it sounds stressful but I enjoy this this medium and not having a camera pointed at me and just being able to talk. Yeah. Not yeah. worry about appearances <laughs> yeah i guess folks are always like well why don't you do like a a, a youtube podcast and i'm like uh because then i'd have to be on yeah on it camera. sounds like it would suck <laughs> no. and it's it like, does <laughs> yeah like no i really don't don't want to do that i can hide behind the microphone here yeah and just talk so it's an it's interesting too because you know you you see a lot of other channels that are more focused on the people which is fine but and a lot of the times, my most popular videos are the ones that have more people in them, too, because, I mean, people relate to people more than they do animals, yeah. I think, so. And it kind of, I think, who doesn't want it, like, watching some uh, some guys out there clowning around? And, yeah, exactly. You, you know. you, and I try to include that as part of the herping experience, because it is really being, being out in the woods with your buddies and goofing off. Yeah, have um, a good time. Exactly. So yeah. that's definitely part of it, and, and I try to, to make that the only part of it that's really revolving around people. Um, cause at the end of the day, I'm the, I'm the host of nature, but I am not, the show is not about me. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. It's about my, my experiences, which is, could be everybody's experiences. Right. If they were to go right. outside and experience it all, it's there, <laughs> yeah. go do it. Go outside. Go folks. see it. Go, like, let's say go touch grass. Right. <laughs> yeah. Literally go, <laughs> go outside and touch some grass. Yeah. That's what I want. I want everybody Everybody watching my videos to go to their local park and touch some grass and see what they find. Yeah, and look for redhead sliders. Yes. <laughs> well, no, thanks. Thanks. It's been great hanging out with you today um, and uh, sitting around a fire. This is all great stuff. Appreciate uh, your giving me some of your time and uh, uh, and hanging out. And uh, I wish you well with your 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 podcast. Uh, <laughs> your uh, what do you call it? What is the, what do you call it's a, it? It's a YouTube channel. A YouTube I mean, channel. I, it, it's is not a there? glamorous name, but I mean, that's yeah. what it is. So. Okay. Well, I, I wish you the best with yeah. your YouTube channel. And, uh, you know, I'm one of those old guys who, who still says things like, well, I got it on videotape, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so you have to excuse my, uh, my, uh, awkwardness with some yeah. of these terms. But, uh, no, I, I get it. I mean, it's hard for <laughs> me to label it sometimes too. I'm like, someone will ask me what I do and I'm like, well, I'm a nerd <laughs> and I really like snakes and I point my camera at them and talk awkwardly sometimes. And yeah, but you know, you get better. There's always room for improvement and you've yeah. improved quite a bit. Um, oh my God. I can't even watch my older videos. Oh yeah. I bet. I'll bet. Yeah. I think maybe we talked about that before. It's yeah. kind of hard to, it's hard. To, it's like me listening to my, some of my first podcasts, like, yeah. Ooh boy, those were kind of rough. And I, I, like before I actually did this, I heard people say the same thing about their channel back in the day or whatever. And 
and I didn't understand it, but now I do. Yes. And I, I guess I really, I probably would have done this a long time ago if I didn't have some sort of weird thing with seeing myself on camera and hearing my own voice and being like, man, I sound like a weirdo. Because <laughs> like yeah. when I, and, and I think the videos are probably all private now, but some of the older videos on my channel are like when I was like 14 or 15 years old trying to do the same thing, but I just was way more awkward and way less uh, able to find snakes. So Yeah, and probably a lot less, uh, probably more uh, unsure of yourself too. And yeah. That's an awkward age. You yeah, know? very, very much so. I th there's definitely a few older ones still there that, that people have, that are interested can go and hear my squeaky pubescent <laughs> voice. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I, I always think, you know, I, I can't imagine me doing this, uh, this, the you know, podcasting stuff, you know, in my twenties and thirties, I just wasn't gonna, you know, you grow into some things, so to speak, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I think making videos and, and broadcasting them to any sort of audience comes with a level of responsibility that you have to accept and, and try to set a good example and, Oh yeah, I imagine you feel that uh, yeah. quite a bit, right? Uh, yeah. Pressure to, uh, you know, do the do the right thing, say the right thing, and and yeah, help but also people. still be genuine and not be just like a yeah, you know, yeah. A, a yes man. Yeah, it's like oh, that's what that's what people are talking about and saying these days. But at the same time, you know, I try to be as genuine as I can, which yeah. I I feel like I do a pretty good job of. I yeah, hope. I think <laughs> I, I think so. I think so. Uh, I I enjoy watching. Uh, your, your videos and uh i really enjoy being around when you're making them too that's a lot of fun i like i'm a guy who likes to see the sausage being made so, uh, you know i like that part so that's one way to put it <laughs> yeah well i i enjoy the same thing like sitting like sitting around the campfire and i look over and mike's starting to whip out his podcasting setup i'm like oh boy we're yeah, about to we have go. a conversation again yeah. Yeah, well, you know, it had to happen. But yeah. anyway, thanks again for coming on. Yeah, of on course. The show. Thanks for thanks for chilling. It was and, fun. Uh, best yeah. of luck to us tomorrow. Yeah, wish us good luck cuz <laughs> we might have to do a follow-up like at the end of the day to update the viewers cuz they're going to be actually know they have to watch my video from today. That's what they Oh yeah. yeah. Let us do that. Let there us let us shift through. You'll whatever. never know what the uh, the secret word we're trying not to jinx by saying <laughs> is unless we find one tomorrow. Exactly. So, the secret herb, yeah. To figure out if we're actually going to find one or not, you'll have to tune in to uh, my YouTube channel. There you so, go. All right. See you there, hopefully. <laughs> Be there. Aloha. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Noah. Hey there. It's me again. I hope you enjoyed my conversations with Noah Fields. And if you haven't already done so, Please go check out the NKF Herping Channel on YouTube. Uh, hanging out with Noah for a few times now has uh, really given me the opportunity to see how you know the sausage is made, so to speak, for his uh, his uh, YouTube channel. And I'm just so impressed with the effort he puts into it, and uh, and how much time he spends trying to further his understanding of amphibians and reptiles in the field. Uh, he's in a lot deeper, and he's much more knowledgeable than I ever was at his age. That's for sure. Thanks again, Noah. I uh, had a blast hanging out with you, and it really was a successful Hogtober. And thanks for listening, everyone. That's it for episode 89. 
Thanks again to Noah Fields for coming on the show. Uh, once again, coming on the show. And I wish you all the best going forward with your NKF Herping channel. And I really enjoyed hanging out with you, of course, and uh, getting to herp with you again. And, uh, thanks once again to Sean LaRochelle for supporting the show. And as always, I want to say thanks to all of the So Much Pinkle patrons who keep the show rolling on into the future. And if you would like to kick in a few bucks to help out, it's easy to do and it costs about as much as a cup of delicious coffee. Just go to patreon.com slash so much pingle and so much pingle is all one word. You can also make one-time contributions via PayPal or Venmo. Just drop me an email to so much pingle at gmail.com for more details. And don't forget that you can find all of the recorded episodes and show notes at so much And you can also join the so much pingle Facebook group to follow the show and interact with me and some of my guests. I say it every time, but I do like hearing from folks like to hear your thoughts and your opinions, guest suggestions, whatever it is you got. You can email me at somuchpingle at gmail.com and somuchpingle is all one word. Also, please note that I am on Instagram and Mastodon now under the So Much Pingle handle. And until we meet again, please take good care of yourselves and don't forget to hurt better.